Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Amen. Well, God is good. Amen. All the time. So uh, we're going to have a good time today. We're going to dig into the Word and see what God wants to say to us today. How many know that His Word never changes? It's always the same, and it always speaks to our lives and changes our hearts. So, Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for your Word. God, we ask that you would speak to us and make it real, make it alive in us, God. We want to change. We want to leave this place different than we came in because... You love us so much, you, want, you, you don't want to leave us the way we are. You want to transform us by your word. And all God's people said, amen, amen. I want to talk this uh, morning about pressing forward, pressing forward. And I'm going to start today in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. So if we can bring that scripture up. And it says this for, uh, this is Paul speaking. He says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ... Yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Um, I wanted to, I remember in my early 20s and as a teenager, I kind of went wayward a little bit in my my own lifestyle and and I went away from the Lord. But when I was coming back to the Lord, when God got a hold of my heart again, uh, one of the things I remember praying specifically was, God, I want to serve you and I want to, you know, go to church and I want to change my life. However, if I'm going to do this thing, I want to be like Paul. Paul always impressed me. I was always fascinated with the Apostle Paul because he was confident, um, yet he had a very gentle demeanor. As you read the Scripture, you see his steadfast faith towards God. Uh, Despite the situation that was going on around him, whether he was being persecuted, shipwrecked, whatever it was, he always had a positive attitude. And I know being around the church since I was four years of age, uh, not all Christians have a positive attitude. Amen? Would you agree with that? And so so I said, you know, I want to be like Paul. If if it's possible, I want to carry that spirit. And I love what it says here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. And here's the humility of the Apostle Paul, a great man of faith who wrote, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And um, I, the humility that comes out of this man just shocks me. I wish we, we could all be like this. He says this in Philippians 3, verse 12, not that I've already attained or am already, per, uh, many, uh, already perfected. He's saying, basically, I understand that I haven't arrived yet. You know, how many know we're in process? You know, we're in a process of sanctification. God is working out His good pleasure in us. He's, he's through, through the renewing of the mind, uh, through learning to overcome temptation, we're becoming like Him. I believe God looks down from heaven. He sees us wrapped in the robe of righteousness, and He says, you're holy, you're sanctified, you're a saint. But how many know we got to walk that stuff out? And, and Paul's so humble here. He comes as the apostle. And he says, you know, I haven't attained yet, and I'm not perfected yet. But look what he says here. He says, but I press on. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I press on. Don't say it moistly. Just, I press on. And to press on means to seek after eagerly, to earnestly endeavor to acquire. There's nothing passive about pressing on. You know, as Canadians, we have kind of a, you know, uh, around the world, they say they're very nice people, they're very passive people. But you know what? We, sometimes Canadians, we, we can become passive-aggressive, right? So we're really nice when we talk to you. Boy, we're going to complain behind the scenes, right? So anyway, there's nothing passive 
about this walk of faith. God wants us to overcome. God wants us to renew our minds. He wants us to walk out the things that he has planned for us because he has great things ahead. Now, he says, Paul says here, he says, I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ has already laid hold of for me. He, I, I, I'm, I'm pressing on to lay hold of something. And it's very hard to press on and lay hold of something if you're always in the past. Look what he says here. It's very important because Jesus had some good things for Paul's life that Paul hadn't attained yet. Do you know that God has good things for your life that you haven't received yet? And, and Paul realized that. and He said, so I'm going to press on because I want to get a hold of what God has for me. How many know that every good and perfect gift comes from Daddy, comes from God? The Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. God has good things in store for you, good promises in store. All right? And Paul admits that he hadn't fully arrived, and the news is neither of you and I. Anyone here feel like you've arrived? Let me see your hand here. Because, you know, like we haven't arrived, but that's okay because we're in the process. Look what he says in verse 13. I love this. He says, Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I'm not here to say that I've apprehended everything that God has for me. He says, but one thing I do, and I want you to to say this out loud. Say, the one thing I do. Paul's saying, you know, if if I could tell you, you know, there's many things I do, but there's one thing that I do that is very, very, very important. And this is what he says. The one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind me, and reaching for the things that are ahead. And I don't know how many times I talk to people, and many times, you know, when we get into pastoral counseling, a lot of it's about the past. Well, he said, she said, this happened. This is what's went on in my past, and this is why I am the way I am. And, and the reality, Paul is saying, you got to forget the past because you can't move forward in the things that God has for you if the past is weighing you down. You just can't do it. Or at least you can't do it effectively, all right? You can't reach for greatness in God and think about your past failures. And I want to tell you that the enemy, the, 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 the enemy will, will, will seed thoughts into your mind and remind you and give you pictures uh, through giving you thoughts concerning the fails of your past so you won't see the greatness that God has for you, all right? And so Paul says, "Is one thing I do, forgetting the past, then reaching towards the goal, reaching ahead, pressing forward with an eternal perspective is the most important thing we can do as believers. How many know we're, we're nearer to the end than we were yesterday? You can't get yesterday back, but you certainly got tomorrow. And what are you going to do with tomorrow? And see, God understood this, and that's why he said his mercy. He says, my mercy is new every morning. So you can get up, you can wipe your slate clean and say, God, we're going forward today. I'm not going to think about the past. I'm not going to worry about my past failures because it's a new day. There's new mercy. There's new grace. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm not going to make them again. But I'm not going to let the devil drag me into the gutter so that I can't focus on the greatness that God has for me. And that's what the enemy does. All right? So that's verse 6 and 7. And I like this verse because uh, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Say everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then verse 7 says, 
And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God is like, he's like the guard. It's like the queen's guard. You ever see that? They, they march back and forth, and they stand there, and they don't move unless someone tries to attack the queen. They just kind of stand there, right? And the Bible says the peace of God is like the guard of our heart. But how many know you can't have peace if you have anxiety and fear, right? And I believe this here, the thing that tying these two scriptures together is I don't think you can fulfill Philippians chapter 4, 6 and, and be anxious for nothing until we practice Philippians 3.13. And Philippians 3.13 says that we have to, uh, we have to f- forget because if we don't, it will become the welcome mat for worry and anxiety. I don't know how many of you have, and I know I've done it, I'm worrying about what was said to me or what was done to me in the past and the mistakes I've made, and I, I, I spend precious energy thinking about that, and it becomes a welcome mat for worry. Well, I can't take this step forward. I can't do this because the last time I did it, I fell on my face. I can't pray for the sick. The last person I prayed for died. I don't know how many of you have been there. I've prayed for many people that died. And if I went on my track record, I'd be like, I'm not doing this anymore. How many hear what I'm saying? And so here's the thing. The devil would like to remind you of the past mistakes. And uh, you would say, Pastor, you don't understand my past. You don't understand what she said. You don't understand what he did. You don't understand what my fifth grade teacher said to me. You know, like you just don't understand. And that's why I am who I am. Listen, Paul the Apostle had some baggage in his past. And I, I read here in Acts chapter 22, verse 4 to 5. Paul is addressing the Jerusalem mob, and they're attacking him, and he stops, and he gives his testimony. And I want you to see what he says. This is Acts chapter 22, verse 4 and 5. He's telling them about his life. He says, and I, Paul, persecuted the followers of the way. I persecuted Christians, hounding some to death, okay? We're in two different, I'm in a New Living Translation, but it's the same thing. Arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison, the high priests and the whole council of the elders came and testified that this is so, for I, I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from Jerusalem in chains to be punished. And so Paul's past was tainted with horrible things. I've done some bad things in the past, but I'm not responsible for killing people and throwing them in prison. I don't know about you. And don't, don't think for a minute that the, nev- the, dev- the devil never came and said, you did this, Paul. This is who you really are. He, he was probably having these thoughts coming to him all the time. All right? And he probably wanted to beat himself up. I, I could have done this. I should have done this. I, and he had these thoughts coming all the time. But then something happened to him. And in his testimony, he continues to share in Acts 22, verse 6. He says this. And as I was on the road, how many know we're on the road of life? We're going down the road. Your life represents a road. And this is what he says. As I was on the road approaching Damascus at noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down on me. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. Suddenly, say suddenly, a bright light comes. And when the bright light came down, it says, I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, why, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, uh, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, 
the one you're persecuting. And the people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. And that's so funny because it's the same way in our life. People see the light in your life, but they don't understand the voice of God. They don't understand the voice of Jesus. All right? So a very bright light came from heaven. The light exposed the darkness in Paul's life. He was persecuting God through persecuting the church. The light redirects his life. He changes his name from Saul to Paul. There's a transformation of who he is. How many know when we get born again, there's a transformation? How many know that? All right. And here's, uh, you know, it's so funny because, um, you know, one day I cleaned the house, and it was really nice, and I, I was going to surprise my wife, right? And the house is really nice and clean, right? Uh, according to a man, right? It's clean and vacuumed and looking good. And, uh, and my wife's coming home, and the next morning we open the blinds, and the, and the sunlight comes in, and she's like, Look at the dust. I never saw the dust till the light came. Sometimes we think it's clean, but when the light shines, it's like, whoa, there's dust in my life. There's issues in my life. That's why when you go to a romantic restaurant, they keep the, the lights are dim. So she's not thinking, you know, he's got a pimple and a couple of zits. And with the lights down, you know, it's more romantic. They look better. Your date looks much better. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But when the light comes on, you see the defects. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? All right? And uh, you would say, Pastor, I never saw a light. I never had an encounter like Paul. I've never seen the light come and talk to me. But look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. And I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. It says here, For God who said, Let there be light in darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So God has made the light shine in our hearts. And that's why when you get born again, all of a sudden the things you used to do, you can no longer do because there's a light that just showed up and the light has a voice and the voice is speaking to you and you start changing your life. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? All right. And so Paul had come to a place where he allowed the light to separate who he was from who he was becoming. All right? Um, Let me read that verse in Philippians again. Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. One thing I do. Say one thing I do. And this is where people struggle. This is where I've struggled in the past, where it's so hard to, to let go of certain things. Let me read a couple verses here. And if you're taking notes, we'll write these down. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Paul is talking about running a race. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you will obtain it. And so God wants us to run in such a way that we're not, like, you know, if you're just running without trying to win, what is that called? It's a marathon, right? It's a jog. But Paul is saying, I want you to run like you're going to win. And you're not racing against me. You're not races, racing against your husband. You're not racing against, you're racing against yourself. God has something for you, and you're going, I'm going after that prize. And I'm going to run, and I'm going to run in such a way that I'm going to win. Because he is with me. And then we see in Hebrews chapter 12, 
verse 1 to 2, another passage here. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that means it doesn't mean they're all watching from heaven. That just means that we have a cloud of witnesses around us, their life testimony, all the things they've done for God. And now they're, we, we, we're, they're the witness to our life. Let us lay aside every weight, say every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, I want, I want to stop for a second because sometimes we read so quick. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares, present tense, us. Remember what I said before. It's always, you got to always check the tense. Is it past tense, present, or future tense? How many know that Though we're walking, we're saints, we belong to the Lord. How many know that sometimes we're getting ensnared? And, and we're being told here that you need to lay aside the weight, every weight, number one, and every sin that easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So I have two suitcases, I have two backpacks. Here. I'm going to get Pastor Peter to help me if you want to throw a couple of those on there. Uh, they're they're heavy, isn't? Yeah, they're really heavy. And this is kind of a, a picture of our life. Now he's, you know, Pastor Peter's in a race, and uh, he's he's got to run somewhere, but he's got all this weight on him. He's got he's got weight, and he's got present present tense sin. And so, um, let let me. Can you open the zipper in the front of that bag? There, you can take it off the, the little zipper there. And give me the paper. Let's see what you're dealing with here, Peter. Right here. Yeah. Should be a paper in there. So this bag represents the current sins. And let's see what he's dealing with here. Uh, All right. I had an argument with my wife. I called her a name. And now I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. Okay, that's not a good thing. My neighbor got a new car. He's rubbing it in my face, so I hid the rake that he left in his front yard. Okay. There's a little bit of envy and jealousy there, brother. And God opened the door for me to share my testimony, and I turned it down. Okay, so these are things that are on your conscience, right? So, you know, the Bible says really clearly how we deal with this in First John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. It says, if we say we have no sin, right, present tense, we, we, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, but if we confess our sin... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, uh, can we pray together, Pastor Peter? Say, Father, forgive me for sinning and being envy and jealous and letting anger be part of my life. I'm going to talk to my wife tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, just drop the bag, man. You don't have to carry it. So, awesome. All right? Now, this other bag here, this represents his past. And um, this, this, is, this is where I think we struggle as Christians sometimes. And so, can, can I, do you mind if I see what's in, in your past there? Can I see that zipper here? Right here, let me check that out here. Okay, let me see what this weight's all about. Now, this doesn't relate to Pastor Peter. I'm just, he's just my example, so. I come from a broken home, never heard I love you from my mom or dad. That affects who I am. I wish, I wish I, I would have finished that college course. Things would be different today. I'm such an idiot. If I only treated my kid differently, he would love God today, and it's my fault. 
If only I would have handled my money better, I wouldn't be in the place I am. If only I never hurt that person, I wouldn't have to deal with the shame I deal with. I've always been a timid, fearful person. That's what's been told about me, and I think I am. The last person I prayed for died. I used to live promiscuously. I wonder if God really forgives me. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, you know what? Um, Paul said this one thing I do. He says, uh, he says, I forget the things of the past. So just lay that aside. Give it to God, okay? Just take it off your shoulder. And Can you take it off? Why? Why aren't you taking it off? You feel bad. Well, you've dealt with the sin. Why don't you deal with the past? He, he is going to forgive you, brother. I'm trying to tell you that. So this is just the past. This is, you're, you're a new person. See, when the light came, uh, the Bible says that when you're in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, uh, a couple things are new. No, it says all things have become new. You don't have to live with the weight of your past. So let it go. Come on, man, really. Thank you. Very good. Now try to run. Is it, does, how's it feel? Come on, let me see it. All right. And this is the struggle that we deal with, right? It's so easy. Like as Christians, we, we're okay with the first backpack, right? It's like, you know what? We understand God's love for the most part. Most of us are able to just, okay, I messed up again. God, forgive me. We feel the assurance that God has forgiven us and his mercy's new and we're good and we move on, okay? But it's, it's dealing with the baggage of the past, that weight has to go. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, the Bible says, I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation because I love how it's written here. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, okay, so that we would not be exploited by the adversaries of Satan, for we know his clever schemes. You know the devil's he's clever and he has schemes. And one of his schemes is he gives you thoughts and he brings back to your memory, especially when you're doing really good with God, you'll get these thoughts that come back, and then you feel shame and guilty and fearful over things that he's already forgiven you for. He's already thrown it as far as the east is from the west. He's already cleansed you. He doesn't remember anymore, and you're like, God, I just feel so bad. And he's like, I don't remember. I threw it away, you know. And you're sitting there trying to explain to him how, how, how you feel, and it's the enemy trying to give, give you a heavy based on something he's already forgiven. This happens all the time, and it's one of the schemes of the enemy. It's one of his clever schemes. And in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We have to capture, and I love this, listen to this, like prisoners of war, every thought. We have to capture every thought like a prisoner of war and insist that it bows in obedience to the anointed one. And so when the enemy comes and says, you know what, you're not worth it, you blew your first marriage, you're never going to do this, you're, you're, you say, no what, you know what, I'm a new person in Christ, God is with me, I'm the head and not the tail, devil, you're a liar, go to hell where you belong. I didn't mean to swear, that's literally where he needs to go. Amen? If you believe it, say amen. Okay? And so we have to, first of all, the first step is this. We have to recognize that we're listening to those thoughts, that we're allowing him to do this to us. 
And second, because if, if you don't recognize, you can't take responsibility. And if you don't take responsibility, you're not going to repent for believing those thoughts. And if you don't repent, you can't renounce it and remove it from your life. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? And so we have to recognize that we're letting the past weigh us down. And then we have to say, God, forgive me for listening to those lies instead of listening to your word. Your word says all things are passed away. All things are new. And you love me and I'm going to believe you instead of these thoughts. Does that make sense? And so why don't we stand and I want to just pray. I'm going to lead you to even in a prayer of repentance. I pray, God, right now, Father, that you would just speak to our hearts. Father, we're your children, and we're here before you, and we're saying, God, if there's areas in our lives where it's become like that backpack, where it's, it's hindering us from pressing forward, it's weighing us down because of what he said, what she said, what happened in my past, Lord, and you've already dealt with it, but suddenly the enemy's bringing those thoughts back, and we're believing it. Father, I ask that you would forgive us. I ask, Lord, that you begin to put your light on our hearts so we can see you're putting your finger on areas of our life. And as God is doing that, we just want to be between you and God quietly. You know, some of you still got your masks on, so no one will even see you praying. I want you to say, God, forgive me for believing a lie. And I give this weight to you today. I renounce those thoughts that are holding me back. Just tell them right now, I renounce those thoughts. And I repent for listening to them in Jesus' name, whatever it is. And right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just, in the name of Jesus, remove guilt, shame, and fear from your people in Jesus' name. The enemy would like to bring guilt, shame, and fear over your people, God. And I command it to go in the name of Jesus. Every voice of Satan that speaks to your people, God, right now to bring shame, filth, fear, and guilt, I command it to go in Jesus' name. I pray that as you, we leave this place, we're going to leave going, wow, I feel like I just laid, laid aside those thoughts of yesterday. I feel like I got a fresh start, that there's something I can press forward to, and I don't have to carry this anymore. Father, as we take communion right now, I pray that this will seal this and that um, we'll see the miracle. Because Paul, you, Lord, your word says, Paul said, actually in Corinthians, said, I didn't come with persuasive words of the wisdom of men, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that your power would be made known in this place, that as we leave this place after taking communion today, that there'll be a freedom and that there'll be a weight drop from our shoulders, God doesn't matter what we've done in the past. Paul had a heavy past. The light has come. Jesus, the light of the world, has come and is shining in our hearts and is cleansing us by the power of the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? Let's give him a hand. You know... Bible says, and you can be seated, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, 
is it not the communion of the blood of Jesus? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that bread. You know, when we partake of this little wafer here, this little piece of bread, okay, um, we're, we're partaking of the body of Christ. Amen? And so I thank you, Father, for the miracle. When we remember you, there's a miracle that takes place. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. So if you got your communion, just if you take off the top little thing here, you get your bread here. And it says here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which it was also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. He broke it after he had given thanks. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Camilla, would you come and pray? Just, we're just going to be thankful for a moment. Just thank him for his body. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for, for your sacrifice and for what you did, for your tremendous sacrifice. And I thank you, Lord, for this body of believers and for your body globally, Lord. I just thank you for strengthening and for healing. Father God, when the world is uh, afraid of sickness, Lord, I thank you that you provided healing. You provided protection, you provided healing, you provided eternal life. So I thank you, Lord God, that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We have so much things to be thankful for, so many things going for us. And Father, I thank you for that, and I thank you also that you will help us, give us your heart for people Amen. that don't know this hope so we can share it yes, Lord. and be busy with that in, G in these days. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. And um, the next one here, in the same manner he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we're going to, and it says, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we thank you for your death, God, in Jesus' name. So let's drink together. Deborah, would you come and pray th for Thanksgiving for the blood? Thank you for coming. It's been awesome. Hope God spoke to you today. Amen. He spoke to me. So go ahead. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your son's blood that was shed for each one of us. That one drop. All it took was that one drop. Yeah. We have an attitude of gratitude, Lord. And we thank you. We stand before you. Thankful people for okay. all that that blood represents. That was taken on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.